0: This is Closer to the Fire, from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, with a focus on the persecuted church around the world, I'm Greg Musselman. Being a follower of Jesus in Pakistan is difficult, and for many believers, it's extremely dangerous. Christians are falsely accused of blasphemy, imprisoned as a result, and face death threats, and some are even killed. Christian girls are kidnapped and forced to marry men much older and converted to Islam, Many are given the worst jobs, and others even become slaves. Churches and homes belonging to Christians are burned down. And here's just one recent example of some of the terrible things our brothers and sisters are facing in Pakistan. Sunil Masi, a young man, he was with some other Christian youth, and they were standing in a market in Punjab's Jiranwala district when six men arrived on motorcycles shouting, kill all the Christians. At some point, a bullet was fired, killing 14-year-old Sunil. During the attack, another Christian youth was grazed with a bullet. The assailants then fled the scene. Sunil was rushed to a local hospital and unfortunately was pronounced dead on arrival. The perpetrators are reportedly members of a pedophile criminal gang known for targeting the followers of Jesus. According to a local pastor, the gang is well known by police and their criminal activities have often been ignored. A pastor by the name of Assev said, Their vile depredation target the weak Christian community because authorities ignore our pleas. Yet, in spite of all the opposition to the gospel and the followers of Jesus, the church continues to grow in this hostile environment. Anis Khan and his family know firsthand the cost of being Christians in this Muslim-majority country in Pakistan. They now live in Canada. Anis joins us from Welland, Ontario, near Niagara Falls. Anis, thank you for being on Closer to the Fire. Thank you for having me on your
1: podcast. It's a privilege to be there.
0: You know, when you hear the story about Sunil, a young man and uh, a youth, they're just at a market and they're shot at and uh, Sunil uh, dies. I mean, these are unfortunately not uh, uncommon stories. I wish they were. Uh, When you hear something like that, how do you react?
1: Awesome. So stories like that breaks my heart. Like listen to Sunil, like he was just a bystander, 14 year old. Like, it just breaks my heart. Just being Christians, you're being killed. You're being persecuted. And I I, I, I faced it firsthand. Like, I was 13-year-old when I got kidnapped just because of that. So I can relate to what it's going through. It's Neil's parents right now. What are they going through? It's, it's It literally breaks my heart. It's so sad to hear stuff
0: like that. It is. And, uh, you know, that's just one story. We heard another two young brothers in Punjab uh, province as well. Uh, they were kidnapped, mm-hmm. beaten, and then a video was made of them claiming that they had converted to islam now we know that's not the case the other problem of course is that when the police uh you know hear these reports that they often go ignored so then you've got you know even more injustice happening we'll talk more about some of the things that are going on in pakistan why don't get your story uh you yeah. alluded to it already you were kidnapped but before we get to that uh, tell me Anis, what was it like growing up in pakistan and being a follower of jesus
1: so it was like a, like in Pakistan, when Christians are not even like, they don't even tell them you're a citizen of Pakistan. You said you're second, I mean, third class citizen. They don't even, they call you, you're like infidels, like you're unclean. So even when we were used to go to restaurants, so they have a spot on the side. Like it's not even, you don't even go inside the restaurant to eat. So you have to stay outside of the restaurant to eat. It was, uh, and I always like felt I was not worthy to be Christian sometime. And I was like, Bible because my dad was a pastor he always told me like you are you know you're Jesus God is your king like you know you're a child of a king I'm like I'm not being treated as a king's child so it was very hard for me learning all those things and sometimes when I thought maybe is there even a God to exist maybe there's no mm-hmm. God and we're just suffering just because we're Christians and look at the other people so it was very hard even going to the school like I didn't have any friends because even if when I went there I never told them I was Christian And I would never even talk to them. I had no friends growing up in school. It was a very hard time growing up in Pakistan.
0: Now, you mentioned your dad was a pastor, so you grew up in a Christian home. Uh, How far back generationally does it go in your family when there was a commitment made to follow Jesus?
1: It was my great-grandfather, who was actually, he worked in the Queen's Army. Like when, it was before like Pakistan and India, was like, you know, under British government, British rule. So my great-grandfather he was actually was working for a queen and at that time you know he when he came back after serving he had this heart for like serving the people because when he came back he saw how christians are suffering they had they, they had no place to actually worship and it, that's when it started in, like long time ago and my father followed my great grandfather and that's when the whole story started
0: that's amazing because there's been years and years of living for your family a situation where you're not only minorities. I mean, in Canada, I've, you know, many friends that, you know, they've come here and they're minorities in the culture, but not treated as second class citizens. Uh, but you and your family have been. So when you're at school, uh, Anis, how was it for you? Because you're being taught the Quran at yes. school and the Bible at home. Uh, for it a young man, that must have been very confusing for you.
1: It was very confusing. Even we had to go to mosques sometime to worship like uh, like prayer five times because the school I was going to was a government school and you have to go to mask like whenever there's a prayer time so because I was kind of forced to go even if I didn't want it to go and it was very critical I was learning at home whereas I'm learning at school is totally the opposite it was a very hard time
0: how did you then overcome that is it because your family were so strong your dad was a pastor uh, you must have got a lot of instruction at home then
1: Yes. So it's uh, mostly my mom told me like, no, my dad was always like talking about Bible, but mom is always telling me how you need to communicate with people. Like when you're out there, you need to not tell people, like, just just go there, just be, just stay quiet, just do what they're doing and just come home. You don't need to argue with people. You don't need to talk to them and tell them like what what they are teaching is wrong or what you're learning at home. is correct. Just go there, do your thing. Just you go in there just for school and just coming back home. And that's how both of my parents were like played a big role in that.
0: So what was it like for you and your family uh, and and the other believers in your church? How were you received in the community where you're living in?
1: Like it was, uh, we were not like we were, as I said, like second class citizen. Like whenever we go out there, we are like, like we're like infidel. We like unclean people. Like in our school, my school was like outside of the town where we were staying. So people didn't know like who I was. And people always thought I was a bad Muslim in school because whenever they're talking about Islam, I was always stayed, I always stayed quiet. Mm. And they would talk, they would ask me, I'm like, I, I I don't I don't know anything about it. And they will try to like, you know, teach me and I'm like, no, I'm not interested. You know, like that's what mom told me, you'd be like very wise when you talk to them. Mm-hmm. maybe you're a bad Muslim and they will not even talk to you about that. So, like, so that's what I did when I was in school, versus like in community, so where like our church was, like, we had like 30, 30 families living in that city. And all of them, they didn't have any good jobs. Even they were educated, like yeah. they like education, but they couldn't get jobs. All they were doing, like they were mopping streets, like that. that's the old jo- jobs they could do. They were janitors, working people's home. And that's the only thing they could do. And like, and it's good. Like my mom, she was a nurse. She, because she that's how we came to this small town where we were living and she was a little bit respected because she was she was working in a hospital and and the people living in that community in that city thought she was muslim so she 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 had like no trouble in the beginning
0: what was it like for the christian community in the town where you're living were there threats against uh, your dad of course being the pastor uh were the threats against him and other believers uh in your community there
1: so the Christian community like living in that city was uh, like was about 10 acres of land they were living in and there was the old church was built by british people like it was a long time ago before you know pakistan india was the same country so in that area like there was a muslim person who actually made like a wrong like a fake documents and he said this area this whole area belongs to him so what he was doing he was actually charging people tax he said because you are muslim you are christians and if you want to stay here you have to pay me tax and when we moved to that area, so my dad said, that's wrong. Like they are they are they're living they are living in the houses that they belong to their grandparents and they've been living there for a very long time. And that's when the whole threat started. And the church was actually not open for people to worship. So the person who made these documents and said this land, land belonged to him, he was putting his animals inside and in times of winter and stuff like that. So that's when this whole thing started because my dad was educated. And he said, no, we need to bring this church back to the people it belonged to. And that's when the whole thread started. And people, when they, they saw my dad, that he has this courage to like support them. And they actually were like, that, that, that's when like did the whole, that was a game changer for the whole community of like 30 families, 30 families of the Christian family living in that small town. And that made even worse. It made worse for the people because those who were working in, working in small like people's home. And they got started in threats. So we need to stop this person, whoever I don't know where he came from and why what he's doing is gonna is gonna make all of you like you no know, live like a worse life in here. So it was a, so that's what the whole thing started.
0: Oh, so your dad's just trying to improve life now. What was the reaction then in terms? Of, okay, there's the negative reaction, but were there also those that were coming to know the Lord as well because they seen what you know what real Christianity looks like. Yes. So there were, so there were a few people that they noticed, like, you know, because
1: we always read in Bible, like the way I said it before, we are, we are like children of king, right? So that's what my dad was telling them, like, yeah, you're working as a janitor, but you need to understand the spiritual version. You're better than other people. Like, you know, it's that changed their, the people's life because they had, they had no leader before. And when they saw a leader, it gave, it boosted their confidence. And that made a huge difference in that community.
0: You know, it's the thing is so interesting is that as the kingdom of God advances, as the church grows, then, especially in places like Pakistan and some of the areas, that's where the persecution starts to intensify. So there's a situation that happened one night, you're about 10 years old, it's around midnight, some people burst into your home. Tell me what happened.
1: Yes. So this was like after when people were threatening my dad and the family, you need to stop about this land. And so the people came into our house, and they just start beating us. And they, they oh. because I was, and um, I have a, I have a younger brother, and he was about uh, four or five year old at that time. And he hid himself under the bed, and they were beating us. They just left us dead, almost like dead. We were bleeding. We were like they dashed me on the floor. I broke my tooth, oh. and I had a like a big scar here. Like I, so, like they they th- they thought we were dead. And we didn't know what to do. And only my mom, like she just she was like, oh, like like her clothes were torn and it was it was so worse, like it was really bad. So, so she like gave us like a first aid to all of us and and like we and we we survived. We survived, and people who actually did that to us later on, this like how did these people survive? Because because God was there. We we always think like, no, there's always a power of god that's taking care of you he gave us the he gave my mom that energy if 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 she, she was unconscious and she she just stood up and she took care of all of us oh. it was a terrible time
0: yeah a terrible time and yet a time where the lord intervened and saved your lives so this was the first of many attacks over the next few years Then one day, and and we had your story actually on 100 Huntley Street, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because uh, you understand what's going on in Pakistan and you have a very powerful story. So one day, broad daylight, you were kidnapped. Tell me what happened.
1: Okay. So I was actually going to get some stuff for my school because I was just graduated to my next grade. And I was just going there to get stuff from school and, uh, I would just go into the market, and there was a one street where I used to walk. There was no one there. And someone just grabbed me from behind. And I would I struggled for a little bit. And I then I just felt unconscious. I I I didn't know like what happened, like who were these people? I, I couldn't scream because their hand was on my face. I couldn't scream. And I don't know how many days later I woke up and because they were keep like it's a of what they were doing, but like I just woke up and I thought I was dead because the area I was, it, it didn't look like where we lived, and I thought maybe uh, I'm dead and I'm in heaven, maybe because the area where I was, it's like a, it's like a, it's like BC. There was like mountains, and it was like a fog. It was beautiful, and I was a bit cold. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happened to me? Like where? Like I, I had, like it took me like a while, like to like what happened to me? Like what happened? Yeah. And I said, I was going to get some stuff from, and people came from there. Yeah, then I stood up. Then I saw I was on a ledge. Of a, of a mountain, and I'm like, "How did I get here? Like, what's going on?" Then I started shouting, "Help me! Somebody help me!" And I was just shouting for like 20 minutes, and no one because I couldn't even because I I'm not sure like my throat was so dry, and I was still trying to shout. And one person came and looked under the ledge, and he's like, "Like, who are you? Like, are 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 you high on something?" And you just fell down. I'm like, "I don't know where I am." Then he he was a cop, and he brought some people over. Took me up, and he said, uh, "Okay, so where are you from? Like, do you live around here?" Because they were speaking a different language. Like, they have a they were speaking a different kind of like a dialogue. It was a totally different accent. And they said, "You don't seem like you're from like hey, I'm not from here. I'm from this city." And they're like, "Oh man, you're like like almost like thousand kilometer away from home. Wow. How did you get here?" I'm like, "I have no idea. I was going to school. I was going to get some stuff from school, and I'm just and I just I just want to get home. Just get me home. I just told them the name of the city." And they said, uh, you have to hitchhike home. Like there's like some trucks going that way. So we're going to just put you in one truck and that truck is going to get you home. So I went to one truck and I hitchhiked. And throughout the journey, I'm thinking like, why this is this happening to me? Is there even a God that, you know, like my, my dad always told us, God is there to take care of you. Be safe and don't worry. He's going to take care of you. And I'm just thinking. Like, you know, like, why this happened to me? I'm like, you know, like, I'm not sure what happened to my parents, if they are alive or not, what happened to my sisters, my brother. This whole journey, like, it was a two-day journey. And I'm just thinking, thinking, like, what happened to my parents? So finally got to my town. And the, as soon as I got off and I was just walking towards, uh, home was like about like five kilometers. And I'm just walking. And this, this guy from our church, he was on, a, on his bike. And he looked at me and he looked at me again. He's like, oh, that's Anissa's ghost. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, just come on, come on, come on my bike. And he just went to the house and went to the house. We have so many people in the house. And like, people were crying. and My mom was crying. And my dad saw me. He's like, I knew you were coming home. I knew you were coming. Back. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, did you know where I was? Why did you come save me? And like my mom, like, and I, I was so overwhelmed. And then I just, I just took a shower and just went to sleep. And when I, when I woke up, for like, after, like I don't know, after 10, 12 hours of sleep. My dad said, the day you went to sc- to get stuff for your school, uh, you never came home. And we were worried about you. We sent people around to look for you, but we couldn't find you. And then we got a call the day after that. And some people said, we have your son. You have to convert to Islam right now, or we're going to throw him off this cliff. Oh. And if... And when once we throw him off the cliff, if he survives, he's gonna break maybe all of his legs or all the bones. He won't be able to survive. First of all, well, if he survives, he's gonna be crippled. My dad said when he was on the phone, God spoke to him and say no to them, and I will bring him home. Oh my And my dad said no, and they hung up the phone. And and my dad said, your, your mom haven't spoken to me since then. Because she's like, How can you do this to your own son? Like it's it's your own, but 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 my dad said it was the God who was telling me he had to say no. Because I have to obey him, and 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 I'm, and I'm gonna get a reward for it, and and see your home, and and I was like, I was so shocked. I'm like, through the journey home, I was thinking, there's no God, <laughs> but there's actually a God <laughs> who saved me, and and I fell, and I'm I'm alive. I have no broken bones. I have scratches here and there. That's fine. But 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 I'm, I'm alive. Like that was a game changer for me and for my faith, and that's when I actually got strong faith that story
0: wow that, I mean that is a powerful story so what do you remember um about what happened uh, prior to you being knocked unconscious did did you did you see these guys coming towards you or, or do you just don't have any memory of that
1: no I don't remember like I just heard people coming from back because and they really just grabbed me I I, I don't know it was it was so quick and I, I don't remember like what well, how, how that happened how that happened
0: yeah. And, and I'm just thinking of your dad, because I'm a dad. I have four children and now I have grandchildren. And uh, we all want to hear God's voice. Uh, but sometimes we go, oh, is that really God? Or But for your dad, and I, and I can understand your mother's emotions, mm-hmm. um, but obviously he heard very clearly from the Lord and mm-hmm. knew you were going to be protected, even though you went through some very difficult uh, situations. Uh, so you get back home. Uh, how long did it take you I need to be able to uh, recover from that. And uh, I mean, that would cause PTSD, I'm sure.
1: Yes. So it's, I uh, I sometimes still, I'm still recovering, I would say, but I'm way stronger. Like it took me years and years and years. I was like, even scared to walk alone. Like it was like when I was young and my my parents will let me out. Like even not just me, but my, my, I have have two sisters and a brother. sisters are older than me and my brother is younger. They won't even let us out of the house. Even sometime now, my mom calls me <laughs> and says, where are you? Like, are you home? Like, even now, she she still has that fear. So
0: even though you're really, living in Canada. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> can say, yeah, you her know her. what? I understand it.
1: Yeah. So even if I don't call her, like, I usually, like, call her every day or, like, just before nine o'clock. And if I don't call her, she will call me. She's like, are you okay? Or, because you usually call before 10. Is everything good? So, like, like she still has, I think she's still like, you know, has that PTSD, I would say, still suffering yeah. with that. Me, It took me longer. Like, it took me, like, I think 10 years or so. Like, I was still, like, suffering with that. Like, I don't want to walk. Even mm-hmm. living here, like, I know I'm safe. There's nothing going to happen to me here. But still, like, even the, through a journey, like, after Pakistan, we lived in Sri Lanka for a little while. So that I was, like, a little bit still scared. But I knew one thing. that God is there to protect me. If he can do that, like, no one can touch me. Like, when God is on your side, like, you don't need to worry about anything. And that's the one, that's the only thing that kept me and took me out of that situation.
0: Yeah, and and I know that, you know, working with the persecuted church, and I've done many, many hundreds of interviews, and I've talked to people like yourself, where you really felt that God intervened in your situation. And of course, and there's other situations in Pakistan, Nigeria, and around the world where that's not the case. Uh, we're going to talk about a situation that happened last summer where uh, a number of Christians were attacked, churches burned down. But before we get to that... So what's the timeline now? So you have this situation, uh, you return home, uh, you've obviously been traumatized, uh, but uh, your dad didn't just pack up and say, that's it, we're out of here. Uh, so what, because he's a guy that just said, unless God is telling me to move, I'm not leaving.
1: Yes. And so yeah. it's,
0: it's, you know, even how you got to Canada is quite a miraculous story. So... You go through this attack. what What was going on then, you know after that, in terms of the church and uh, the situation facing your family there in Pakistan?
1: So after that stuff happened to us, like people who were who actually did that to us, and by my dad know who who did that to us. Actually, they were surprised that I'm home safe. And even my story actually encouraged the people in church. and they actually start spreading the news to uh, the other towns nearby. Like you know, there, there's this pastor, and this happened to his son, and like you know, and church actually grew. We actually had just one town, with wow. one church, and after that, we had three churches in total. So wow. this my story actually encouraged other people in Pakistan itself and say, if God can bring him from all the way from then, they actually throw him off the cliff, and he had no broken bones, just a few scratches here and there, and and church actually grew from there, and actually in it was like a three three four years we didn't have any problem. There was no persecution. Like the way that my story, like the uh, thing happened to us actually helped us, not me, but helped church to grow. Hmm. So, and the people who did that to us, even they were surprised. They were like, oh yeah, maybe there's a God, or maybe there's a superpower, like the helping them. And that actually impacted positively.
0: Well, I call that power evangelism, I guess. Uh, when people see Uh, the reality of God, and certainly in your life. And uh, we're so grateful that your life was spared and uh, you're using your testimony here in Canada. And of course, you did in Pakistan in three interviews. It's getting, you know, all over the world. It's very powerful. But eventually the persecution did intensify. You and your family were forced to leave that town. I mean, that must have been very difficult uh, for, especially for your dad, who was the pastor of that church.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. So during that three-year time, so I imagine in the beginning I mentioned about the church that was belonged to that person. So my okay. dad got some lawyers and there was a whole legal battle that happened. And finally, uh, the people from that church who were living there, they finally got that church. So they had a great win and they didn't have to pay any taxes. So they all had. So that was a great win for them. And that's when okay. people got involved. That's when uh, like I would say some political people got involved. And they's like, okay, if this person can win this case, he can do so many bigger things. And that's when they started talking to my dad and saying, okay, now you have to either accept Islam and bring all these people towards Islam or we're going to kill you and your family. Like you only have two options, like either accept Islam and bring all the all of your followers towards Islam or you and your family be killed. What we did, we, you know what we are, they didn't say what they did, but say, you know what we are capable of. That's what they told my dad. And my dad, like he, like when we're talking about the voice of God, like the reason he said no at that time when when they got, a, when, they received, when my dad received a call, yeah. he, yeah, so he actually, when he was working as a, before he became a pastor, he was working as pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical salesman. Okay. So at that time, God spoke to him to like, you know, you need to leave your job and and serve me. So that voice is the same voice that he heard when he said no to me throwing off the cliff. And my dad saying he heard the same voice of God and God said, you have to leave this town. Like, this is, you need to leave. But that's when we, so when, when they told this to my dad, I said, look, why don't you give me a day to think about it? He didn't, he didn't say, why don't you give me a day? And I will think about it and we'll, we'll come tomorrow and we'll talk about it. And my dad said, we need to leave right away. And we only had like, we only had 20 minutes to leave. Like, wow. in a house we lived for for 25 years and we had to like, just leave. Like in, like, what, what, what do you take? Like in 20 minutes, yeah. like what do you take? And like, we, we just had like, just grab some of our clothes, my mom packed, whatever. And we just left and we just left and we just went to a different city, which was like about three hours from like where we were living. And we're just hiding there and see what happens next.
0: Well, that must've been difficult for you, Anis. You know, you're leaving the town that the only place you really knew your friends and, and now you have to leave, but at least you're in a safe situation. But then your dad started to feel that, he wanted to go back to that town, and even if he was going to be killed, I mean, this guy obviously has a lot of faith. But uh, how were you and your mom and the rest of your family feeling about that? That your dad wanted to go back, and it could cost him his life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so when we left uh, our city, then we actually went like to a different cities. So, well, about like we went around about like one year. Like we stayed in different cities. We were hiding see if the, the situations you know like gets better we just go back because my from all of us my dad was devastated because it, he said i'm I'm a, I'm a shepherd and i left my sheeps there he was like feeling so bad i have like three mm-hmm. churches i've taken care of and so many people because of our family's faith they came closer to god mm-hmm. and we have that now and what what's going to happen to them they will say you know this pastor like you know he was showing you know, this faith and this happened and now he left us so then uh, one day, we, my dad decided, like, you know, we're just going to leave. We're just going to leave this town, go back, and if they kill us, they kill us. Like, because the Bible says, like, you know, in, in my name, they will kill you. Let us be an example of that. My mom was, like, very much against it. She's like, no, God told you to leave that town. God didn't say, just, you know, just stay there. He said, leave you. He may have a bigger plan for you. So then what? let's pray about it tonight. Like, you know, we all pray and see what God tells us. And we woke up in the morning and we were like talking about like, you no, know, what we're going to do tomorrow. So my dad said, we are not leaving. And, uh, um, and my mom said, yes, we're not leaving. I'm like, then he said, my, then I said, my person, I said, when I was sleeping last night, I heard this voice, like, you know, God has a bigger plan for us hmm. and we need to, we need to move on. We need to keep going forward. We cannot go back because, because what we have, maybe God is going to use our story, our, hmm. our experiences to change many lives. And that day we decided, okay, because if God wanted us to stay there, He would have He would have or, or made a way for us, or maybe told my dad, or who told me, we or told my parents, my sisters, my brother. Like even my brother say, like he he had a very uncomfortable like feeling going back. God spoke to him as well and said, No, 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 you cannot go back. I have a bigger plan for you. So it was in the beginning, it was very hard, then later on the confidence and the God, like that, we had, we had, we knew that we have to move on. We have to move forward. We cannot just go back and get killed. And So God spoke to pretty much all of us and said, "This is not the time to go back because I have a bigger plan for you." And God has something that we knew. God has a bigger plan for us. We, we through our story, we had so many people came closer to God. Maybe God has more for us, and that more is going to bring more people.
0: You know, there is a time when. Our brothers and sisters are killed for their faith, and the the Lord uses that testimony. And then there's other times, and your family would be definitely in that category, that he had something else for you to do. So how long was it then uh, before you actually left the country of uh, Pakistan and ended up in Sri Lanka, then eventually to Canada? We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But um, what were the circumstances then to actually leave Pakistan?
1: Awesome. So my dad actually, after they consulted a few churches and a few pastors and said, you know, uh, like where I'm going to go. Like, you know, like I, I cannot go back. And they all said, you have to leave Pakistan because because all these people, like them, they all have network. Any city you go, they are going to find you because you'll be new to that city. And that network is going to find you somehow that you're new to town and where you came from. You need to leave Pakistan. Then so my dad said, like, where are we going to go? Like, we don't know anywhere outside of Pakistan where we're going to leave. So during that time, uh, there was a there was a something called SARC. Like it's actually Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka. They all get together and like you know in one one country, right? And that time, Sri Lanka was the country where like you know they all were getting together. And someone suggested to my dad, why don't you go to Sri Lanka? Because it'll be it'll be it's open port. You don't need visa. Or just, sorry, you'd need visa, but be you will be easily get that visa. Because usually visa takes about two to three months. And you said you may get like maybe two months or. Something like that. So my depth "Sure, we can try that." So we, this is a great testimony. So we were so scared of our life, even going outside of the city or the place we were living in. So we went to this uh, embassy mm-hmm. and to deposit our visas for, for uh, deposit our passport for visas, and and like it, it just won't be like how God works. Mm-hmm. Usually, take if you do, if you expedite it, it takes like a month for you to get visa. So the morning right. we went there and we gave them our passports. In the evening, they called us that your visas are ready. What? Wow! Yes, it was it was that fast, and we were like praying, like God, like like how 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 that happened? Like it was so fast, and and like we got the tickets, and now we were so scared to leave Pakistan. We're like, what if they? Because when they put blasphemy on you, your name is all over the place, like in government, like you cannot leave Pakistan, you cannot leave the country. And my dad was so scared. What's going to happen when we go? to like nothing happened to us. We went to the airport, like they scanned our passport, asked us the question, where are you going. We're going to Sri Lanka for a visit. And they said, Sure, you're good to go. And mm. and nothing happened to us. And God was like opening doors for us. Like, like the way he said, Don't go back, I have a bigger plan for you. He like actually had everything laid out for you, for us, for all of us. We had no issue through getting visas or getting through immigration and everything. God opened that door for us. And that's how we went to Sri Lanka.
0: So you go to Sri Lanka during that time, there's a civil war, there is a tsunami. It was a difficult time, of course, in Sri Lanka. What did you guys do while you were there? Were you still involved in ministry? And then what was the timeline in terms of actually then coming to Canada? So we,
1: when we went to Sri Lanka, I just want to share a little bit about our journey. So sure. in Sri Lanka, we just got off the airport and we didn't know anyone in Sri Lanka. And we didn't know, we had no plans what we we're going to do. So we got off. Uh, we just went outside of the airport, and there was a there was a cab there, and my dad saw the cab the cab driver has a cross, mm. and Sri Lanka is a very open country like they they don't have any like no you can openly express your religion right so my dad saw this person has a cross. he probably a Christian. My dad said, eh, Why don't you take me to your church and he's like, uh, sure, I'll take you." but do you know anyone in my church? Dad's like, Yes, just take me there, <laughs> so we went to this church. And uh, because we didn't know anyone there. So there was a chapel, which is open, right? You can just go in and pray. And as soon as we went there, my dad went inside the chapel and stopped praying. Mm. And when saying, God, you're the same in Sri Lanka and same in Pakistan. Like, you know, you need to open door for us here. We need like, find us, uh, find us someone or maybe we need your help. Open door for us here. So while I was praying, someone tapped my shoulder and asked me to come out. And I went out and talked to this person. He's like, who are you guys? You're speaking a different language. Which country are you guys from? And I, then I just opened up everything. I'm like, I'm from Pakistan. And they're trying to kill us because we're Christian." <laughs> I just opened up everything to him. And he's like, okay, can you bring your parents? I want to talk to them. And then I brought my dad. And my. And he, this person was speaking English. And my English was not good. And I would just trying out speaking broken English and try to translate. what my dad is trying to tell him and that person was saying like he 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 doesn't like this church where we are right now and each and every time he crosses path from this church he actually curses that church but today when he was crossing path something something told me go inside and ha- go inside and help someone and he said he came in and he saw us and he said i, I want to help you guys what can i do and then my mom and when my mom heard this. She's like, oh, maybe he's maybe from Pakistan. Maybe he knows some people. He yeah. he's thinking of all that. My dad is like, no, we were praying here, and you know, and God brought this man here in our life. Like there has to be a uh, something. So this person brought us to his own town. Like my mom was very scared throughout the journey. It was like an hour drive. Mm-hmm. I was like what if he's taken back to some Muslim people? What they will kill us here? Like my dad is like, don't worry. Like you know, it's. He has so much comfort. Like this is happening. There's going to be something good is going to happen. We went to his town and turns out he was the mayor of that small town. And he said, and he said, I will take care of you guys. This is my other house. You can stay here. And I'm not Christian, but I will connect you to Christian people. Like, wow. and, and he connected us to church. Uh, one in, there was one church in Colombo. And we were like, and we, we were there for uh, three and a half years. And there was a war. There was like so much things was happening in Sri Lanka and God actually used our story to bring so many people closer to him. People were like, yes, you were, you, you, people, people like, why are you always happy? Your faces are like, like you're here a visitor. You're like visitor, like coming from like a rich country. Like I'm just like, this happiness is from God. Like, you no, know, he, yes, we lost our home. We lost our church. We lost everything, but we know we haven't lost God yet. He's always with us. His presence his favor is always with us. And I can lose everything in the word. I don't want to lose the favor of God. That that was our that was our message to all the people in Sri Lanka. And because of that, people said, yes, this, this is great. Like we they lost homes because of war, because of tsunami, but they always had like a God, like which was keeping them alive. And that was our journey in Sri Lanka. It was three and a half years. It was an amazing time.
0: So three and a half years in Sri Lanka. How did it work then for you to come to Canada? Had you made an application as a family to come to Canada?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we, we wanted to actually, my dad was originally planning to stay in Sri Lanka.
0: Okay.
1: School down and then he will go back to Pakistan. And then what happened in Sri Lanka, like they were saying, you cannot stay here longer because you were, because you have to, okay. So when we go to Sri Lanka, uh, you we were, we, we were in a visitor visa, but someone said you have to go through UNHCR and get your, asylum seeker status so you can stay in sri lanka legally okay so we said okay we'll stay here as long as we can then we'll go back and when someone said you cannot go because the situation in pakistan was not getting better like it was getting worse and we were we were staying connected with them so someone said we had to find a third country like you cannot stay in sri lanka we cannot go back to so to find a third country to go and we didn't know where to go and like we didn't know anyone outside of sri lanka or any other country and then someone connected my dad to someone who lived in Canada, who was actually persecuted in the 90s. And he lived in Canada. And so we gave, we got the email and we said, why don't you email this pastor? Maybe he can help you, maybe open door, you know, for you guys to come to Canada. So I sent an email to this pastor and we were waiting one month gone, two month gone. And third month, and we got a response from a pastor. And he said, I'm so sorry. Like, this is the, the email you send me is from my website. and never check it. And well, today I was just happened to be on this email and just saw your email. And I read your story. I'm so sorry uh, for not getting back to you earlier. And uh, tell me, what can I do? And we <clears throat> we spoke to the pastor. And he said, he said, I totally understand how, because he was persecuted. And what. Understood. Yeah. Yeah, understood totally. And then he got us connected here, uh, there's a church in Burlington, it's in Waterdown, Ontario. It's a Christian Reformed Church. He connected us through them, and they actually sponsored us to come here, come to Canada as a, as a permanent resident. And what year was that? It was in 2011. So we came here in December 2011.
0: Okay. And so what has your family then been doing since that time? I know you share your testimony yes. about not giving up yes <laughs> that that's that's your story um uh, but, but what's what's life like then been in canada because i'm sure you miss home pakistan yep. but mm-hmm. also you appreciate the freedom and the opportunities that you're getting in canada so tell me about your family Anis, uh your dad he's a pastor and he wants to go back to pakistan uh but what are you what has your family been doing all these years Okay, so when we came here,
1: so we were we started like getting, Canada gave me a first job, we went to school, we got educated, and what we were doing we're trying to rebuild the churches back home. like my dad, we cannot go back, but what we can do we can help. Right. So we do lots of uh, help back in Pakistan. We actually rebuilt because uh, some of our churches were like broken into and one of them they burnt. So we built a new church. and now what we're doing right now is actually educating educating kids. so and we're actually providing education to lots of girls. Like, you know, because lots of girls there, they go to Muslims people's house and to work and stuff, which is not a very good environment because that's when they got raped and they got forced married into like like older older men's and stuff like that. So what we're doing now in Pakistan, we're actually providing them education of sewing. Like they are learning how to sew, maybe but they can start their own business. So we're just teaching like like skills to lots of people. And also, we uh, we, have, we still have a church, one church, which is being like you no. Know, we, we have a building where we actually having a sewing school. We actually have a Sunday school where kids come and learn about God and stuff like that. And that's what we're doing back in Pakistan. And here, we're just sharing our story to whoever whoever we meet. We just tell them like you no, know, like in, in we actually feeling the persecution coming into Canada in a mm. different way. Yes, it's coming like we need uh, we need to tell you like to stay strong, like stay. Because God is there to help you like because because Bible says like you know because because being Christian is not easy. you will be persecuted because they hated Jesus, they're gonna hate you and that that's what my message throughout our family we're just sharing it here wherever we go like do not give up that's that's like God because you're a chosen one because if persecution comes that's mean you're the chosen one. you're the chosen one and you, God is gonna use you for a bigger purpose.
0: He will. And and it's interesting you talk about Canada because, you know, I work been uh, in, in, in Pakistan and Nigeria, even Sri Lanka, you know, some of the challenges our brothers and sisters face, especially in the rural areas, uh, you know, from Buddhist monks, people are often surprised about that. But yes. in Canada, the you know, the the challenge is for churches not to compromise, especially when we're dealing with, you know, this whole sexual revolution and what the Bible teaches. Uh, it is contradicting and uh, and really confronting our culture, uh, and, and people don't want to hear that. So that's, it's going to get more difficult. So we need, uh, you know, to hear testimonies like yourself, where you've gone through these things. God can protect you. We need to stand up. Uh, but these are very challenging times, you know, in Canada as well, and we need to, you know, continue to pray uh, and ask the Lord for wisdom, as your dad did, um, you know, and as your you know dad heard from the Lord, we need to hear from the Lord and how— we navigate between the love and mercy and grace of God, but also speaking the truth. And man, we need the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Uh, you know, whether it's in situations like in Pakistan or in Canada, because we're all under uh warfare. That's just the reality. Wherever you live, for some reason I think many Christians in Canada thought that we're kind of exempt from that. Uh, but, of course, we're seeing things that, you know, can change in a hurry. And it's uh, these are scary times, but also times where we can have opportunity, uh, you know, for the Lord to move. Uh, now, we talked a little bit about off the top, anise about, you know, your reaction when you hear some of these stories. So uh, last summer, last August, actually, thousands of believers were attacked. And, uh, you know, people had stormed this uh, the Christian colony in Jiranwala. That's a town in Fasalabad in Punjab province. Uh, and again, you know, we talked about you know, these allegations, these false allegations of blasphemy um, and spurred on by an announcement. So you have it broadcast over the mosque, loudspeakers, a mob comes in, and then they start destroying things. And they're not really there to hear about if there's any truth to it, uh, but they just go on a rampage. And uh, I think the last I'd heard about 30 church buildings, maybe even more, uh, were destroyed. 40 homes, uh, 400 homes actually belonging to Christians were destroyed. So again, when you hear that, Mm-hmm. What I mean, I mean personally, I must cause you some anxiety. But then also, you think about the people that are going through these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's like the problem there
1: is because of this blasphemy law we have in Pakistan. Yeah. yeah, people are misusing that. Like there's there's like let's say if you're lending someone money and they they're not returning your money and they're Christian, you just say okay, he said something about Islam, he said something about Muhammad, he said something about Quran. And you can just say, and this one person, and the problem is they don't even investigate whether it's truth or not, and they just announce that, and the whole town is suffering now, just because of this one allegation which is not even true so this is this is so like and and the government of Pakistan is not even doing anything about it. They will just come and say, "Oh, this happened. Oh, yeah, that's it." And then they just, just, just you know, brush it under the rug. They're not even working on this thing. And and li- living here, it's it 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 it, it doesn't it's not it doesn't feel right sometimes. Like you know, like we left Pakistan because the persecution of people are still suffering. The good thing is like living here, we can do something about them. We can like maybe awareness. We can tell people here what's going on, what people are going through in Pakistan, and maybe we can raise funds for them. And that's the, that's, it's it, what's happening in Pakistan. It's, it's, it, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. This is the blasphemy law that they need to remove.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's been a lot of protest. um, I mean, there's Shabazz Bati, you probably know him, he was the only uh, Christian in the Pakistani uh, government, and he protested against when Asya Bibi, a well-known case that we covered for many years, was accused of blasphemy. And even if there's an argument and people get into, well, this is what I believe Jesus said, and this is why we believe Christianity is right, and... I mean, people are people. And and even if somebody does say something against the Quran, uh, or Muhammad, they shouldn't be put into prison and sentenced to death. I mean, you have to be very careful. But as you mentioned, like 295C, that blasphemy law, which uh, I understand was actually originally, uh, put into place to protect all religions. Of course, now Pakistan being a majority Muslim country, it's being misused. And, uh, I mean, it obviously needs to change. And I don't know if that'll ever happen, but you know, against Christians and non Muslims, and then when you hear about these young girls, Christian girls, as you mentioned, uh, you know, helping them get skills so they yeah. don't have to work in the homes of these uh, Muslim families where they are sexually assaulted, converted to Islam. Um, so when we talk about all these things and people go, wow, man, Pakistan, it's a lost cause. It's a failed state, all that. But yet there is hope here in spite of all that is going on. Uh, many are coming to know Jesus and God's kingdom is advancing in spite of all that persecution.
1: Yes, that's correct. The way I said, like when um, I got kidnapped and when I came back, the church grew. Like, you know, persecution yeah. makes you stronger sometimes. And it makes you stronger. Church grows. And when when living here, you can give people more hope. Like right. we actually, when we, like uh, after coming to Canada, after, after two years, like what we did, we actually raised money from our own family. Like what we're doing, we're raising our own family. We actually... So in Pakistan, there's a brick kilns like people who make bricks. They're actually live, living under slavery. So what we're doing, and they they have kids like three year old, four year old, five year old working in a brick clean, making bricks. So we're like sending money to them, actually taking them away from that kind of environment because they, that's what we can do. We can give them a hope and say, you know, there's there's a God and he's and you're chosen ones. Like you're still a part of His kingdom. Like you know, it's, you're, better, you're better than what you're saying because but they tell them in fact you're infidel you're in you're unclean but no you're not you are part of god's family
0: so we have to give them hope and this actually helps church growth as well well the church will grow no matter what the kingdom of god is advancing the bible says by force and we know that the lord is working in the midst of the most difficult uh situations uh, i'm know, i'm just so grateful that you know for you your dad your family you've come to canada but you haven't forgotten about the people back in Pakistan, you know. I'm on Facebook, like most people, and I would say I probably have—I don't know if every pastor in Lahore on my, you know, uh, on Facebook, but many. So I'm, I'm, you know, constantly hearing what's going on, and I'm seeing many of the the wonderful things that are going. Now, now, people need to be careful, especially when it comes to people asking for money. And uh, yeah. I have, uh, you know, many friends in, you know, Pakistan, and there's some, there's some scams. So we need to have that wisdom of the lord but we also need to help and you know that's part of what voice of the martyrs does as well with the sewing machines and i've been in pakistan up into the north and uh, seeing how women are getting together you know muslims and christians and and because of that kindness many are coming to jesus and and that's the thing we just we just can't throw up our hands and say well pakistan nah, you know it's just too far gone no there are people there and it's it's heartbreaking you know i've been in those brick kilns and i've seen uh, you know people that have been forced into slavery. It's a it's a horrible thing. But I'm grateful that you, your family and, you know, Christian community here in, in Canada are are helping our brothers and sisters in Pakistan. Uh and it's before we leave, the thing I always want to do, because it is the most important thing we can do, and that is to pray. Can you pray for our brothers and sisters in Pakistan? Uh they're facing many challenges and and also for, you know, ministries around the world that are trying to help our our brethren, our God's family our family in Pakistan. So can you lead us in prayer? Awesome. Let's pray.
1: Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity so we can talk about your grace, your 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 love for all your people, oh God, and how you brought us here and your love for all the people, of oh God. Especially remember all the Christian people who are being persecuted around the world, not just in Pakistan and everywhere in, in Africa in in Middle East and everybody. God, we remember them right now and give them your mighty hand. And we just tell them like you know, you are the only hope they have, oh God. Just be with them. And just, just tell them like you're you're with them. Just open doors for them, oh God. And I also pray for people living in uh, living in North America that they're, they're helping them, oh God. Just bless them more and more and more, oh God. And and be with the, all the people who are going through in they're in the prisons, oh God, and like they are living very bad life right now because they are Christians, oh God. Just, just be with them and and they just just tell them that you're the you're the hope and there's a there's a there's an open door for them as well, oh god just 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 be with them all the time oh god and ask all the blessings in your name amen
0: amen anise khan thank you so much uh, for sharing your story um your family story and how God is working you know through you and and your dad and your and your whole family and uh you know, I, I'm always encouraged when I hear the stories of how God protects. And again, I admire your dad. I've not met him. I've seen stories of him. He's obviously, uh, I guess we would say a straight shooter. Uh, you know, he <laughs> understands, he understands what the Bible teaches on these things. And, uh, you know, given, you know, opportunity, I know he would go back and, uh, and yet the Lord, you know, uses us in various ways, uh, you know, to be able to communicate, uh, and help, you know, our brothers and sisters. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. And uh, so, another thing that I want to mention
1: that we're doing actually, we are working yeah. on a book about our story. So, because I want to I want to make this this story more aware of living in North America or wherever, so we can like learn more about like persecution and what happens because we we ex- we actually experienced it. So, I want to like we, that's everything else we be doing as well.
0: Well, I look forward to uh, seeing your book, and uh, we'll have you back on to talk more about that. And, uh, you know, for those that are watching and listening today, if I could ask you to uh, write a review of this podcast or share it with a friend so more people will hear about some of the things that are happening around the world. You know, God's kingdom is moving forward in spite of persecution. And so people be praying and how we can help our brothers and sisters that are suffering so they know that they are not alone. Again, Anis, thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you. And remember... The closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.